Spoons of Rhodes, and, uh, and Randy has asked me to bring a message today, so I'm going to do the best I can with the help of God, and your attention, and your amens, and your claps. But I'm excited to be here this morning. I don't know about you. Whenever it's time to go to the house of the Lord, I'm ready to go, excited about going, excited about being there. In fact, I'm so excited that I first must apologize because I have a speech impediment that I have to explain to you. I call it the can't help it syndrome. Can't help it syndrome. Let me explain it this way. When, when something gets said or done that allows me to see God moving, I just, I just, I get pregnant pauses. I get running in my feet, <laughs> clapping in my hands, got a drum on something. Sometimes I even want to slap somebody to wake them up. I just get, I get it's a reflexive spirit that I just can't, can't easily control. So you just have to bear with me. So when you see that happening in me, uh, just know that I'm coming from Psalm 116.1 where it says, I love the Lord because he hears my cries and understands my every moan. That includes my can't help it. <laughs> so when you see this happening to me, you know what's going on. And when somebody asks me, hey, what's wrong with Brother Al? What's, up, what's wrong with Brother Al? Just tell them, Brother Al has got the can't help it. Syndrome. The what? The can't help it syndrome. Well, what's that? Just tell them that God has been so good to Brother Al that he just can't help it. Can't hold it back. Mm. Now, I have to give you this too. I have to tell you about the first time this really came to light in my life. Several years ago, I had to go to a food conference up in Chicago on a Sunday morning. It was really uh, an important assignment. I had, to, I had to go. I just couldn't miss it. So I purposed in my heart to go ahead and go, but I knew I was going to be missing the next part of the sermon that the pastor was preaching that Sunday because he left us with a cliffhanger. You know, you know what that is. That's, you get right to the point and then leave that part off, and you've got to come back next week to find out what goes on. A cliffhanger. And this was, this was way back when the, you know, the only way I could get this sermon would be to get a cassette tape. You remember cassette tapes? Yes, cassette tapes. You know, be mindful of the fact that these cassette tapes, if the quality was good enough, you might not be able to make out what was on it. The threat of the player either being hungry enough to eat it up or it might not be anything on it at all. So it was questionable. So I was decided that, well, I'd better go to this conference and I was going to do the best I could. So I was re really lamenting in this going to this conference, but I decided to go and I decided to take my family with me. Well, I had to go to Chicago. And traveling to Chicago, I thought, well, I'll lighten my own mood. I'll lighten my mood. So I'm going to turn to a radio station that I know has cool, smooth jazz, about 95.5 on the FM dial. You can pick it up just north of, Kankakee, north of Chaban before you get to Kankakee. So I, I'm going to listen to that. And, you know, that that's what I call my anti-road rage, ro road rage music. Uh, 
trying to keep those other drivers at bay. So I'm t dialing in as I'm traveling and dialing in, finally got to 95.5, and I'm expecting that smooth jazz to come across the, the, the radio, and I hear somebody talking. Talking. Who's that? Is it a commercial? No, it's not a commercial. Somebody's talking. Somebody's preaching. Somebody's preaching a message. Oh, well, let me listen a little bit closer. I'm listening and listening and find out that it's a, a sermon from Pastor Meeks out of Salem Baptist Church in Chicago, and he's preaching on the Trinity in the Psalms series. I'm like, oh, my. Wow. I can understand it. God has given me something. Now I understand that sometimes God will turn your laments into his praise. Hallelujah. So now I'm going to get on with my message. My message today is coming from the Psalms. I'm going to start a little differently, but here we go. The title of this message is going to be Building Faith Through the Lens of a Young Shepherd Boy. Somebody say that with me. Building faith through the lens of a young shepherd boy. What's so important about faith that it needs to be built into the human spirit? Well, Genesis 3 tells us that we were born into this world through the bowels of deception. You know, you might remember the story about Adam and Eve in the garden. And then you get to the letter of the Romans, puts it this way, that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then in Hebrews, which Randy just walked us through the whole book of Hebrews, it tells us in Hebrews 11.1, faith is the object of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when you get down to verse 6 in the same chapter, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must first believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I heard a preacher put it this way once. Money is currency on earth. Faith is currency in heaven. So to answer the question, what's so important about faith that it needs to be built into the human spirit? Faith believing in the unseen, must be programmed into our natural paradigm by whatever means necessary in order to obtain the true perspective of our existence on earth. So in order for everyone to understand it, I want to take some time this morning to examine how faith is built through the lens of this young shepherd boy. Now when I was a child, my mother would put me to bed this way. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Thank you for Mama. Thank you for Daddy. Thank you for Papa. Thank you for Grandma, for Cousins. Thank you for all those I've run into today and had a chance to play with today. Thank you, Lord. But then I had to end it this way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then away to bed I would go. Now, some of you are familiar with all of that that I've said. and were brought up that way. Some of you were, some of you might not have been. But the note to the parents that I want to put in here is from Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. So this training leads the way to see and recognize the Lord moving in life that might otherwise not be known. Training for the unseen. And to this day, it's never too far from me. It's always with me. I'm always carrying it with me. I'm never without it. But that was the impetus for building faith from the earliest stages of development to where I am today. So we're going to look at this psalm, Psalm 23, building faith through the lens of a shepherd boy. And we're going to answer three questions in this message. First, who builds faith? Number two, how is faith built? And then number three, how long does building faith take? But I hear some of you asking, but why the 23rd Psalm? Well, I love Psalms, and Psalms are, cover a lot of the multitude of blessings from the Lord. So, and I've categorized the Psalms of so many different types of Psalms. You know, there's thanksgiving, there's enthronement, there's imprecatory, there's uh, empowerment, there's all kinds of Psalms. But I've, I've, I've categorized them in three categories just to help my little finite mind be able to capture what the Psalms all about and really what I'm trying to reference when I think about God. And I've made it an acrostic. And that acrostic is this. P. Prayer, praise, or petition. I'll just combine that all under the P. Prayer, praise, or petition. That really covers all of the other defining characteristics of the Psalms. The S is for song. I call it the tuning fork for the soul. It gets me tuned up for what's next in life. After the Last Supper, Scripture says that Jesus and the disciples went up into the mountains, and on the way up they were singing a hymn. That hymn was the Hillel. The Hillel is the 113th through the 118th division of the song singing a song, gets you ready for what's coming. The A is for acknowledging. Acknowledging who's in charge. The L stands for lamenting. Letting who's in charge know what 
hurt, what hurts. And the M is for meditating. And I call that marinating in the grace through it all. So in the Psalms, when you're thinking about a psalm and you're thinking about building the blessings that God has for you, what better person than David himself who penned almost half of the psalms, more than half the psalms, in Scripture. And he was noted as being a man after God's own heart. So let's take a brief look at this shepherd boy, David, in the 23rd Psalm. In the 23rd Psalm, there is the visible identification of a shepherd with his sheep, and then there's the unseen identification of the shepherd with his sheep. As we put our spiritual lenses on, we'll be able to detect the two sets of, with divine clarity. There are the literal shepherd and sheep, and then there's the spiritual shepherd with his sheep. Only spiritual perception can understand spiritual revelation. So let's put us on our transitional lenses at this time. The transition allows you to see yourself as God sees you in the scripture. So we got our transitional lenses on? Let's go. David begins this psalm with, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. Let's say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is. The Lord is. Now, David has been a student of the word as it had been handed down to him according to his father and his father's father and his father's father's father. All of them. In Exodus 3, 14 and 15, it says, I am the great I am. That's God speaking. He said, this is what you shall say to the sons of Israel. I am as... I am has sent to you, me to you. God, for moreover, said to Moses, this is what you shall say to the sons of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is the name for all the generations to use to call upon me. So David has identified him as the Lord, or Yehovah in Hebrew. Yehovah. And he states that Yehovah is. Well, all through the Old Testament, God's been trying to get all created beings, especially his children, to identify who above all other beings and, and deities that he was. David expresses this belief in that statement, the Lord is. But then he goes on to make a personal connection to God through the next part of that first verse. My shepherd. Hmm. What did David know about Jehovah being a shepherd? Well, in Genesis 48, it says, David knew that the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, was the same God, quote, which fed me all my life long unto this day. And then in 49, it says, the mighty God of Jacob, from thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Mm. So David's intellectual understanding of who the Lord was didn't start when he authored the psalm. He understood this from the formation of his spiritual lenses, which he carried with him all throughout life. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But then David gets audacious, and he says, I shall not want. Mm. Now David was a shepherd boy. What are shepherds known for? Tending sheep. It's not a honorable or prestigious position. It's a lowly position. It's a lonely position. It's lonely in that there was little contact with others because the shepherd is out in the field with the sheep all the time dealing with sheep and their sheep needs. It was a position that embodied working together with, it didn't, it was not a position that embodied working together with other shepherds. The shepherd was in charge of the flock that he was issued. The owner of the sheep would reward him only for his diligence in managing the herd. It was a laborious position. It was 24-7, dealing with unintelligent sheep who require protection, direction, constant care, no days off, minimal shelter, constant roaming, no association or organization to keep sheep herders to rely on. The fact of the matter is that when the shepherd is out there with the sheep constantly, he's bound to get some of the environment on him. Shepherding was a dismal and thankless job. And then, what about the sheep? What are sheep known for? Being sheep. They're known for their fleece and their flesh. Since their coats were the main source of the sheep's value, it's, it requires a lengthy time to develop their coats to be brought to, to be sheared. It takes time for sheep to become a valuable commodity. They have to grow and they have to mature. Sheep require grazing. They're nibblers. They, they're not very intelligent. They wander easily. They'll nibble their way to lostness. They require lots of monitoring. In, in one description, I, I, I read that if one sheep starts to walk in a circle, the other one of, or the other sheep might start following that sheep, going nowhere, just walking in a circle, walking in a circle, walking in a circle, until they finally run out of grazing area. Oh, what happens then? So they're generally aimless and easily distracted. But through all this, David had one thing to say, I shall not want. David knows that even though he doesn't have much, he has a shepherd, and that's all he needs. David was already living proof of the doctrine that in the New Testament where Paul pens in the letter of Philippians 4.19, for my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Hmm. David had already been through some situations that only the God of his fathers could have gotten him through. He'd been given a foundation for his spiritual direction when he was younger. So he shall not want. But now in verse 2 it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Well, green pastures to a shepherd signifies a safe haven for grazing, a place of rest for the shepherd and the sheep. Ezekiel 34 puts it this way. 
I will feed them in a good pasture, and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture, and shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. So the pastures represent an area where the shepherd can visually tend to the flock without surprise from predators, and where there is plenty of grazing for the sheep. It's a place of rest, a place of respite. So he also leads me beside the still waters. Hmm a safe place of refinement and refreshment. And then in three, he goes on to say, he restores my soul. The green pastures and still waters give reflection of, of, of self as God sees us. In other words, he sees us through his grace lens. And when there are still waters and sheep can see ourselves, we as sheep can see ourselves clearly because the reflection is not distorted. The water is safe because it's not being disturbed, and that is good for refreshing of the inner parts. We actually can see the shepherd. We can see ourselves as the sheep shepherd sees us. So he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He redirects our path. The characterizing activities of the Lord as shepherd, his grace and guidance, are followed by the ultimate basis for his goodness, protecting his name. What he says he will do, he will do. That's what his name says. Psalm 25, 11 says, he will forgive. Psalm 31, 3 says, he will lead and guide. Psalm 106, 8 says, he will save. Isaiah 43.25 says, he will blot out transgression. Isaiah 48.9 says, he will show mercy. And Ezekiel 36.22 says, he will keep his name great and without blemish. David knows even at this early age that the Lord will do what he says he will do. David's faith as a shepherd is established by the shepherd protecting his character in all cases. That's what his namesake represents, his character. So who, who builds faith? Jehovah. He who causes to lie down and rest. He who leads to green pastures. He who restores the soul. He who leads to paths of righteousness and does it because he says he will. Because his name is good for it. So what about that second question? How is faith built? Well, let's start in verse 4. Verse 4 says, Yea, and I'm reading through the King James Version, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, it doesn't sound like a pleasant time. As a matter of fact, in James 1, 2, it says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So that yay, which means even though I'm walking through that valley of the shadow of death, God is testing 
my patience. The job of a shepherd is mostly not in pleasant pastures and besides still waters. Without our lenses in place, we see that the pastures have been exhausted. It's time to find other pastures where the grazing can resume. But getting there requires going through some rough places. Valleys and terrain that's not free from predators or natural traps. And sheep are skittish at best. All we like sheep have difficult time with change of any kind. Any little thing can scare us into a frenzy. Can you imagine trying to herd a flock of sheep through some dark gully with peering eyes and wild sounds all around? That is what it's like when we're confronted with change, even change that the good shepherd is seeking for us. Sheep, we don't like change. Somebody sits in my seat at church, we don't like change. Somebody parked in my park and said, we don't like change. Change. But David persists, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Confidence in knowing that he's not alone. He might not have the Army National Guard to help him out with all those animals and predators are out there, he doesn't have the ASPCA to come get the wild animals and take them away out of his, from breathing down his neck. But he's got Jehovah on his side. He knows that he's been given all the weapons he needs by the next part of that verse. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He's the able protector and corrector the rod of protection and the staff of correction. The rod of protection staves off the predators. It's the same rod of protection that covers in, one, in Genesis 1 and 2. The spirit, it's the spirit of God. The staff of correction redirects the lost and disabled sheep and brings them back into the fold. That's the same director that's found in John 1.1, the living word, the word of God, Jesus himself. And in Ezekiel 34.16, God says, I will direct, the sh I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. In other words, he will take care of those sheep who are trying to take advantage of the flock and trying to steer them away from the goodness of the protector. The word of God serves judgment over those who seek to mislead, steal, kill, or destroy his sheep. But with our lenses in place, we see the Spirit of God as the rod of protection and the staff of God as the ultimate Savior of his sheep. So then he says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He's sure that his shepherd is the abundant provider. Genesis 
26 shows us that Isaac himself prepared a feast for his enemies. And in the New Testament in Romans 12, 20, therefore if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. We see the picture, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And then thou anoint my head with oil, the supplier of abundant mercy. The rubbing oils over the head of the nostrils of the, keep the, of the, of the sheep keep the gnats and the flies and the vermin from irritating the sheep. They'll, they'll try to nestle in on the sheep. And so if you pour the oil over the head, that keeps them from being able to bury in and, 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 and constantly irritate them into insanity. That's what he does for us with the Holy Spirit. Pouring the Holy Spirit on us. Taking away those irritations that we see in the world every day. The news, politics, social, all those constant irritants. The power of the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And then he gets generous with us. My cup runneth over. He gives more than enough. In fact, there's enough grace to share. God anoints his sheep with the Holy Spirit who provides a connection to his direction and a pathway to his righteousness. The fire of the Holy Spirit is what keeps the challenges and irritants of the world from overwhelming and pursuit. A supply of grace that's enough to pour into others. And Paul warns about pouring water on the fire of the Spirit in Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Hmm. The supply and sealing means that we, even as sheep, have received grace and mercy in abundance to point and spread the abundance of the flock and all those with whom we come in contact. Leading others to the shepherd and learning to love one another. This verse 5 is a picture of salvation which only God can provide through Christ Jesus and the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit. So how is faith built? Having trust and confidence in the author of the builder of our faith, following his direction, his able protection, his abundant provision, his endless mercy. Seeing God move through the spiritual transition lens of the, spirit of the scriptures shows us that some of us sometimes have sheep-like behaviors. And according to Isaiah 53, it says, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned his own way. We could sometimes find ourselves falling to the, into the grazing nature of a directionless, unshepherded sheep, lost without a pastoral flock. When our lenses are in place, we see that we are in need of more faith. So now that we know who builds faith and how faith gets built, let's look at how long does building faith take to answer that third question. In verse 6, David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. A direct result of the Lord's rod, staff, 
and his anointing oil. This is the Trinity in the Psalms, folks. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why is that, David? Because he knows that the Lord is his provider, his comforter, his protector, his strength, his security, his source of all that's good. And the result is our ultimate salvation through Jesus Christ, who through the word of faith has done the work of faith in us. Young David intentioned in his spirit and heart to dwell in the house of the Lord. My question for you is, where are you dwelling these days? Back in 2020, at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, I found myself dwelling more and more in the news and the state of the world because COVID was affecting more than my faith. Isolation was setting in and there was plenty of time to become absorbed in the political, social, and economic climate of the day. The worldwide weariness was setting in and even on the worldwide web. Questions came to my mind. What's the solution? Where do we go from here? Is this going to be the new standard for existing on planet Earth? Is climate change going to be the, what takes us out of here? Hmm. But then in my prayer time, I started asking the question, how is what I'm dwelling on helping me to see what's happening in the world? And what should I be doing about it? Even today, are we viewing the state of the world, the state of the nation, or the state of the family through the lens of the social platforms? Are you leaning on virtual reality to give you a true picture of what's happening? Are you going to let chatbots through AI, artificial intelligence, make a plan for how long you're going to be, how you're going to get through the fog of the future? Are we following the inventions of man to predict our future or establish our justice and righteousness? Have you asked yourself these questions? Each time I read or recite the 23rd Psalm, I'm reminded of what David says in this sixth verse. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Who's in charge of building faith? The great shepherd. The great I am. Jehovah, Yahweh. How is it built? By living in the trust of the shepherd and the power of the Holy Spirit. Salvation is the key. So let me answer this question. How long does it take to build faith? Our faith does not stop growing because we're old enough or wise enough or have seen or experienced enough. Building faith leads us to the center of God's will. Losing faith leads to the center of the world. Building faith gets us through the valleys of life. Losing faith leaves us without hope that God can do what he says he will do. Building faith opens the doors of deliverance and keeps them open long enough for us to get in. Losing faith turns us away from the deliverer and into the hands of the devourer. 
So the big picture. Building faith leads us to the center of God's will. Doing the, God, doing the will of God, not just learning about the will of God, unleashes the peace of God. There are two words in Scripture in my life that help build my faith every time I hear them or run into a situation and cause the can't help it to start flaring up. Some of, some of you are familiar with these two words. But God. In Genesis 22:13, Abraham was ready to sacrifice his promised son. But God. In Genesis 31:7, Jacob tells his wife, "Your father deceived me and changed my wages 10 times. But God did not allow him to hurt me." In Genesis 50:20, Joseph tells his brothers, as for you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. In Isaiah 53, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us turned to his own way. But God has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him. In Acts 13, 29, Paul says, they took Jesus down from the tree and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. Men crucified and buried him and thought they had finally put an end to Jesus. But God is not bound by death or the grave. He raised Jesus from the dead. If there was no but God, our faith would be futile and we would still be on our sins, according to 1 Corinthians. And in Ephesians 2, 4, Paul paints a graphic picture of our state before we were saved. He says we were, dead in our, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were under the power and control of the devil, and we had no hope whatsoever. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I know that there's someone out there who's struggling with a faith moment right now. I know it. I see the prayer requests each week. I know there's someone out there. Times are troubling. Doesn't always look good. But I want you to remember, but God. Someone's finances are funny. But God. Someone got a disappointing report or has an unclear future. But God. Whatever you're facing right now, but God. There's a family member in distress, or I'm in distress, but God. Whatever you're facing and whatever happening to you right now, with man, it looks impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Young David didn't know all that he was going to have to go through, but he purposed in his heart to walk with his shepherd all the way. Who are you walking with today? Your shepherd? Or are you following another lost sheep? I want to advise you today to hold on to God's unchanging hand. I'm reminded of a hymn that I used to sing years ago. It goes like this. 
I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, for the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Verse 2 says, souls in danger, look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. But the master of the sea billows his will obey. He, your savior, wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Folks, who builds faith? The good shepherd. How is it faith? How is faith built? Having trust and confidence in the builder. How long does it take to build faith? Here's the answer. Building faith will continue until we see Jesus face to face. I know there's someone out there who needs a but moment, but but now faithful prayer, a faith prayer. I'm going to ask anyone who does come forward. I'm going to have prayer with you right now, and I just going to I want you to know that God is holding out for you. God wants you to be healed. He wants you to be changed. He wants you to be your circumstances and situations to be taken care of, and He will do that. But we have to step out on faith. We got to do what He's calling us to do. Someone wants to come down and have faith. I'm going to have prayer right now for someone who's struggling, struggling with an emotion, struggling with a family member, struggling with finances, struggling with whatever you're struggling with. Come down right now. I want to have prayer for you. I just want to give, give a hands-on prayer to those. If you don't want to come, you can just raise your hand forward and have prayer with us this morning because God wants to change your situation. He wants to be involved in what's going on in your life. He wants you to come. He wants you to be under his power. He wants you to follow his will. Sometimes we're afraid to, to be seen to do it, but we don't need to be afraid of him. We need to be with him. We need to be following him. We need to be under the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can only do that when we have a confidence in him. Let's build our confidence right now. Let's go to the throne of grace, throne of grace and let's ask God come into the situations that we have in our life.